0: Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator Amanda Balby with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. The Conference on Retroviruses and Opportunistic Infections 2020 was a virtual meeting of the minds in infectious disease and public health. A research team who presented their latest study at CROI 2020 Identified three high risk behaviors and evaluated them via patient questionnaire among men who have sex with men, or MSM, in New York City. The team was led by Dr. Daniel Fehrer, who is an associate professor of infectious diseases at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York, New York. Today I will be talking to Dr. Fehrer about this research and finding out more insights on this patient population. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Fear. Let's dive into your study. So the title of your paper is Sex, Not Drug Use, is Driving HCV Reinfection Among HIV-Infected MSM in New York City. And we've talked about your work in this area before on ID Consultant. This seems like an extension of that research.
1: Yes, yes. This is, uh, in a way, a direct follow-up of what same group presented last year at CROI, where we presented the reinfection rate in our cohort in New York City, so that it was a very substantial 4.4 reinfections per 100 years of observation, 100-person years. It could be summarized as a 4.4% reinfection rate uh, among HIV-infected men of sex with men in New York City. And uh, that this, uh, we were fortunate to have prospectively collected risk factor information of a specific type that I'll, that I'll describe to try to hone in on behavioral risk factors with, the, therefore, an idea on how we could you know, possibly decrease the high reinfection rate. Mm-hmm.
0: So then let's get into your new study, your new analysis um, can you tell us a little bit about how it was conducted and a little bit about the findings?
1: The background on our behavioral research in this area is that some years ago, it published in the uh, MMWR in 2011, uh, we showed that there were two uh, risk factors for primary hepatitis C infection among HIV-infected men have sex with men in our cohort in New York City. These were determined on a multivariable analysis, having asked a lot of questions. And the two risk factors, behavioral risk factors, were condomless receptive anal intercourse, uh, actually reporting having received semen into the rectum. The second behavioral risk factor for primary, that is the first hepatitis C, infection uh, among these men was being high on crystal methamphetamine at the time of sex, and it was specifically methamphetamine rather than any of the other drugs that are commonly used. This particular study, we were interested in determining the uh, risk factors for sexual transmission, and so we excluded those who reported injecting any drugs, for the obvious reason that that would complicate an analysis of sexual transmission because it's felt that use of needles its traditional in the field to accept that that, that use of needles is a uh, drug use is a risk factor for hepatitis c transmission or acquisition so this was just the sexual transmission so what we were interested in uh, was to assess whether these behavioral risks were important and perhaps to fine-tune our previous study when considering these men who have been reinfected. So they've been infected once hepatitis C was cleared through treatment or spontaneous clearance and then reinfected. What are the behavioral risk factors for, for that, especially with the impressively high uh, reinfection rate in our cohort of 4.4 per 100 person-years? Behavioral risk factors generally have not been well assessed in European studies, um, although the French have recently done a nice job in looking at a number of risk factors uh, for reinfection. So what we did was perform a cohort study of the HIV-infected men who had sex with men in New York, who had clearance of their primary hepatitis C between the beginning of January of 2000 and the end of... 2018, so a fairly substantial period that that uh, also crosses the uh, two epochs of interferon era and well, in some ways even pre-interferon era 2000, the very beginning of it, and then through the uh, era of treatment with direct acting antivirals that we call DAA. We Considered that our start of the observation period was the end of treatment, not actually the cure date for this analysis. We did that because the European group had done it that way. And so we could directly compare the results. And the end of observation was either the clinical onset of reinfection or the last undetectable viral load or study visit, whichever came first, to those who had not been reinfected. And in each visit, the men were queried about having received semen in the rectum whether they had sex uh, on crystal meth uh, or whether they had injected crystal meth. And we added this, even though it wasn't found in our first study because we had excluded those men. So we considered these uh, as the really known risk factors in New York, although injection is uh, not ex- completely known. We had follow-up uh, information and behavioral information on 244 HIV-infected MSM was cleared Primary HCV. This was a reasonable proportion of the of the larger group. I don't discuss this in our poster, at length, because there's not much room. But in the publication, we'll of course address it that there is no difference between uh, then. This was 29 men who had been reinfected compared to 215 men who had not been reinfected. And the Demographics and really other basic characteristics were the same between the group. The median follow up. It was four visits for those that reinfected and those not reinfected were a total of 600 person-years, so a fairly substantial follow-up. What we found was in their major analysis. So the way we approach this is, is a, a time-dependent analysis. To do this, we use the Cox Proportional Hazards Model, and what's important and interesting about this model is that it accounts for changes over time. And we then, in assessing the three characteristics of semen in the rectum, sex and crystal meth, and injection of crystal meth, um, all of them were very common in uh, the hepatitis C uh, among the 29 men who got reinfected, 28 of them reported uh, receiving semen in the rectum. So, essentially everybody. Well, two-thirds of those who didn't get reinfected, so there was you know, a difference by eye there. Sexual eye and crystal meth, fully 62% of the men who were reinfected uh, reported that, 44% who didn't. And the injection of crystal meth is quite a substantial, 45% of the men with reinfection reported having injected crystal meth as part of sexualized drug use, um, while 28% a substantial proportion, as well, who didn't get reinfected uh, had that behavior. And so, doing the multivariable analysis, though, which is really the crucial thing there to sort out collinear behaviors, we found that it was only receiving semen in the rectum that was significantly associated with hepatitis C reinfection. This is uh, an analysis that's adjusted for age, race, ethnicity and the year, or we could consider it the epic of hep C clearance, that is interferon era, or DAA era. And the hazard ratio is four, um, the p-value of uh, 0.008. It's quite a uh, substantial p-value. The hazard ratio, four, uh, with confidence intervals that went from 1.4 to 11, so somewhat wide, but uh, a reasonable, translation of that and how to think about it is that men who continued to receive semen in their rectum over time were four times as likely to be reinfected than those who did not continue to have semen in their rectum. That magnitude, pretty substantial risk, while the uh, sexual high and specifically injection use were not significant in multivariable analysis. Then this is how the title of, which really just is a result in a sense of the title of our abstract, that it's sex, not drug use, that is associated with, the behavior associated with hepatitis C reinfection. Those of our listeners here who will have access to the poster, um, and we hope that 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 will be linked, um, we'll see a way we wanted to show this idea in a visual sort of way. You can't graph a Cox proportional hazards uh, model result, um, but uh, to give a, a sort of a visual idea of, of the importance of uh, semen and rectum over time to the uh, Kaplan-Meier survival analysis where you divided our group into exposure to semen. So we're going to call it time-weighted average rectal exposure. That's over times. That so it's basically exposure to semen in the rectum over time, and divided it by those who had above the median uh, ex- time-weighted exposure compared to those with below the median time-weighted exposure. And there's a very clear separation that happens very early uh, before one year of follow-up where those with uh, above median exposure have a a significantly higher reinfection probability. And and so in the Kaplan-Meier survival uh, analysis, the two curves separate quickly and substantially and using a a log rank p-value of 0.001. Again, quite a substantial result. And this is, in this case, we did over a period of five years, although reinfections did uh, continue to occur out to uh, well over 10 years, although the numbers who were being followed were very small at that time. So this lends further weight, looking at it in another way, and you'll see the visual of it to to demonstrate that it is sex, not drug use per se, that is the behavior associated with hep C reinfection. And since it's sex but receipt of semen into the rectum with condomless anal intercourse, now this is a question that isn't asked in most of the behavioral questionnaires and some might say it's somewhat assumed, but uh, we found that that wasn't necessarily the case in our initial analysis that there may be a difference between just simply asking about condomless receptively anal, anal intercourse and receiving semen in the rectum we think this is an important result because the previous research that our group and others have done demonstrating hep C in semen makes this association biologically plausible. That's why I talk about receiving semen in the rectum because this is presumably how the hepatitis C infection occurs. This isn't a so much a, a secondary effect, for instance, how uh, drug use might cause for instance, disinhibition and then uh, leading to a hepatitis C exposure. It's the semen in the rectum that is the hepatitis C exposure, plausibly. Um, and then, really, the other, the bottom line behavioral response: you say, "Well, how do we? What do we do with this?" Well, the first thing that's rather obvious is that uh, uh, recommending condom use has not worked. Prevent hepatitis C. It hasn't worked well to prevent hepatitis C primary infection. And say, well, that's because it's just not well known at all. I would say, you know, even now that, that the word has been out in the scientific community and to some extent, in into the uh, community of HIV infected MSM, uh, I would say that still few, if any, men actually know this to be true and somewhat i think it's because there is still in the hepatitis c investigation community a well, little what i'm going to really say is an overemphasis on blood and the assumption that uh, if there isn't bleeding then there isn't going to be hepatitis c transmission and i think that is simply not true certainly not visible blood is, is absolutely not necessary and uh what somebody means by microscopic blood i think is is starting to really split hairs because is um, the uh, plasma in the case of blood is really is where the hepatitis C is, and the, these fluids are in equilibrium with semen and with rectal fluid. What this means that the condom use hasn't prevented primary hepatitis C, arguably because men, the men at risk, didn't know they were at risk and wouldn't think of condom use to prevent hepatitis C, uh, but It is a reasonable assumption, certainly in my court. Well, actually, I can say that these are people who were all under my care. I treated all of them or uh, took care of them as they spontaneously cleared. Once we recognized that semen in the rectum was an important risk factor, at least 10 years ago, i have been telling all the men when they come in to see me throughout the visits and then after uh, they're cured that this is a risk for primary infection and then no reason to believe it wouldn't be for for reinfection and so i'd have to say that all my patients which is all this cohort would have been told more than once i would say with the median visit number of visits of four they've been told a median of four times uh, that that uh, hepatitis c is in semen and um uh that Uh, in and of itself, providing the information about how reinfection may occur, we still ended up with a substantial reinfection rate. It's certainly possible that the reinfection rate could have been higher if I hadn't been telling everybody this. We just know that that's the case. Um, And so, we can say the economy has not been, uh, well, couldn't get the reinfection rate below 4.4%, which is still pretty high. And so, we need to consider what I just, Described in the poster is novel or new interventions to prevent deposition of seminal HCV into the rectum. Say so that specifically. There are other ways we could phrase it, but or keep the hepatitis C in the semen out of the the circulation and out of the liver. There's uh, different ways to think about that. Uh, but so far, I, I have to say I don't have. I propose this as looking for other ideas. I don't have a novel intervention up my sleeve for how to do this and uh, i think that this is a very important barrier uh, to our ability to control hiv and uh, even really significantly decrease the prevalence i think there's reasonably good evidence from mathematical modeling from a few different groups uh, natasha martin and san diego the uh, Uh, really great work of the Swiss cohort uh, that suggests that behavioral interventions um, are necessary, a necessary component to expect elimination of hepatitis C among uh, HIV-infected MSM. And uh, the behavioral interventions to me would be keeping semen out of the rectum. Uh, This should be an emphasis, and while obviously drug use is is very common here, uh, our study is evidence that that is not the major problem. And although, of course, taking care of drug use, if it interferes with uh, parts of people's lives, should be considered, but we may be uh, emphasizing the wrong thing and need to focus back on sex, at least in in New York. Uh, Other communities have different local cultures, but I would say in a community here where the culture of sex, while high, being prevalent in uh, uh, almost half of the men who had had primary hepatitis C in, in the past, that's pretty darn common. So I think that uh, it would be surprising to me if other communities had a higher level of drug use an association with sex, higher level of sexualized drug use. So again, I think we... Um, need to get back to thinking about what I think has been really a neglected area, even specifically in this field, which is specifically the, the transmission through, uh, through body fluids that are not blood and uh, how to address that. So I, I invite colleagues, non-colleagues, anybody, if we have ideas how to look at this uh, and, and make some proposals for how we can intervene Uh, with the ultimate goal of preventing hepatitis C primary and reinfection. And I should note that uh, the study was done in a cohort of HIV infected men who have sex with men. But as noted before, uh, that men who have sex with men who are using uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis against HIV have uh, been clearly shown to be getting hepatitis C and uh, French, Study the, essentially the same rate as HIV-infected men. So I think it is reasonable to assume that the same risk factors apply. It's an extrapolation, but I think uh, for public health, I think we ought to include the uh, men of sex with men on PrEP in this group and, and, and start trying to get that information out more clearly because I think that is really not... Um, Uh, been communicated well uh, that this is an infection that's sexually transmitted even among uh, men on PrEP and they have to consider the semen in the rectum for condomless receptive anal intercourse as as a significant risk for acquiring Hepatitis C. The most important part that I would like to take this opportunity to re-emphasize um, even though it was not something we looked at specifically for risk factors. The, the most sobering part of the result, which was that uh, there was no statistically significant difference in hep C reinfection incidence in the epic of interferon or DAA, is that since DAAs have been available, we have treated a lot more people the prevalence of hepatitis C and HIV-infected MSM has felt to be significantly decreased by treating DAA. One thing we can say about um, people who have HIV infection are very closely monitored, including essentially everybody gets a hepatitis C test, essentially the day they enter care. And these days, many or most are monitored over time for incident hepatitis C infection. So we really know who is infected and have done, this is one part where we've done a really super job everywhere in the world where HIV-infected men and sex with men have been cared for in treating and curing hepatitis C infection to the extent that uh, most what we called co-infection clinics or most HIV clinics, that they've pretty much treated everybody is perhaps what you'd call everybody in here, and that's certainly true at my institution where we feel we don't need, and it's true in many many of my colleagues whom I've spoken to, they don't really even need a specific co-infection clinic anymore that can be taken care of in a more as-needed basis. With the prevalence apparently so much lower from this DA treatment, one would reasonably expect that the incidence rate of in new infections would be much lower as well. This is the concept of treatment as prevention. We would wanna see a decrease in incidence with a decrease in prevalence in the general community. To me, the thing that's most distressing about this, no change in incidence, uh, at least so far, this was an analysis through about 2018, Uh, with the data getting a little more sparse into 2019. But that's a pretty substantial number of years and well into the time when we really thought we had treated most everybody, which really just took a few years, 2015, 16, maybe 17 in in most big cities, a little bit later in in Europe as the DAAs rolled out a little bit later. So we really treated, uh, there's some amazing work in the Swiss uh, treated Essentially, everyone in the country in a very short period of time, and then went through and found everybody again who wasn't cured and treated them again, and even then they had well they had reintroductions from uh, from uh, other countries and it happened same thing happened in Amsterdam really in, in Holland generally but with large reintroductions because of certain amount of variability uh, in Europe. Uh, you know, really for those in this in the u.s you could almost think of those as uh, the the proximity is similar to the countries and the sizes to states perhaps in the u.s that that uh, and travel is easy so uh, reintroductions from other places that haven't had the same uh, simultaneous treatment uh, are a real problem but in new york city i doubt that reintroduction uh, from the outside is a major source of this it's a, uh, large and complicated uh, geography and demographic, and uh, maybe different issues than than many large U.S. cities. My suspicion, although I, I don't have the data to back that up, is that that we've missed a significant proportion of people who are well, obviously the sort of main transmitters, and and so work that needs to be done, work that we can sort of in a sense having a freezer is to look at the uh, phylogenetic relationships between the viruses that are uh, circulating now uh, compared to those circulating say 10 years ago and see if we can make more sense of that. That is a a study for me in search of funding currently but is readily uh, available. I think a good way of doing that analysis we can learn a lot more about why the incidence is so high.
0: Great. Thank you so much for speaking with me today about your research and sharing this insight.
1: Yeah, and I hope to have the opportunity to speak with you more about this subject.